The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Okay, cool. Okay, well, welcome to personal worship. Um, my name is Emma Button. I think I know most of you. Actually, there's some of you I still don't know your name, so I'm very sorry about that. Um, yeah, this is going to be the last talk you hear from a staff person for the summer. So, yeah. Funny story is that I accidentally bought a plane ticket that would have made me miss the talk I was giving. <laughs> and then I rebooked it, so I am still here. Um, so our... We're going to be talking about emotion today, so buckle up. Um, also, the last, like for the past few years, the last staff to give a talk has been Charlie Schumacher, and he's always said something like wildly inappropriate. So <laughs> I'm going to pray that I don't say anything like that and for our talk. <laughs> so will you pray with me? Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you um, for being a God who created emotion. Thank you for being a God who um, wants our emotion. I pray that you would um, come help me not to be nervous, help me to speak clearly, and I pray that you would um, give all of us a better understanding of um, our emotion and what it looks like to bring our emotion to you, um, and ultimately that we would worship and love and delight in you more. So I ask these things in your name, amen. All right, so before, well actually, um, so Zach has been talking so far on what we call the spiritual disciplines. So um, Bible reading, prayer, and meditation. And I don't know if you noticed this, but all of his titles started with built up, which we took from our theme verse, which talks about being rooted and built up in him. So our first talk was built up by Bible study and then built up by prayer. Last week was built up by memorization. This week, if you'll notice, is being torn down by emotion. So I don't know if you noticed what we did there, but just wanted to call your attention to it. Um, but before I get started, I wanna show a quick clip uh, this is from the movie Inside Out. Has anyone not seen Inside Out? A lot of you. Okay. Well, I don't know what you're doing the rest of the day, but you should watch it. Um, but just to give you a, just a really quick context, um, it's about this little girl. Her name is Riley. But really, the characters are the emotions in her brain. And each emotion has a different character that represents it. And Joy is the character who kind of micromanages all of the other emotions. And in this clip, um, she, Joy is introducing us to all of the emotions that live inside of Riley. And I think it's really insightful and really cute. So we're going to show that clip. That's fear. He's really good at keeping Riley safe. Easy, easy, huh? Hi, back! Oh, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're back. Here we go. All right, open. Hmm, this looks new. Make it safe. What is it? Okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! Yes! Well, I just saved our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not gonna get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner. 
I've checked. There's no place for her to go, so she's good. We're good. It's all great. And Thank you. Um, okay, I'm gonna see if I can do this on my phone. Can you just go, can you hit one arrow of this? Perfect. Okay, so, um, first I want to just talk about kind of the complicated dance of emotion. So, like Zach has been saying in all of his talks, one of our goals in personal worship is that you would kind of come awake to the realities of life. And we've been talking about how um, we go to a lot of things, especially right now we go to our phones and technology to distract us and numb us from the reality of life. Um, and one of the things that we really believe is that to be established and to experience life to the fullest, um, you have to be present to the real world um, and that means that you have to experience all of the joys and pain of life. And, and that's kind of like what we've been saying with um, studying the Bible, with prayer, with memorization, that we really want all of you guys to not numb yourself, to not distract yourself, but to be awake to the reality of the world. Um, but this can sometimes um, be uncomfortable because um, feeling can be really uncomfortable. So um, all of you know this. There's a reason why we distract ourselves. There's a reason why we numb ourselves. And that's because... Um, feeling really strong emotion, especially when it's negative emotion, can be really confusing. And you could see that even in the Inside Out clip. Joy is kind of like, this is sadness, don't really know what to do with her. And that's kind of a theme throughout that whole movie, actually, is trying to figure out how does sadness fit into this. Um, and what Joy does is that she, um, yeah, she has no idea what to do with her. And I feel like actually as humans and as Christians especially, um, we can sometimes feel that same way. Um, and I think that especially as Christians, um, when we feel a really strong emotion, especially when it's a negative emotion, that can be accompanied by a lot of guilt um, because we know that we technically shouldn't be feeling this way. And so I think that that is kind of the problem that every Christian faces is that we know all of these things about God. We know what we believe, um, but sometimes, actually a lot of the time, our emotion doesn't necessarily line up with what we know. Um, so in Zach's talk um, on Bible study, prayer, and memorization, we've really been emphasizing the importance of the mind and the will um, in relation to the spiritual disciplines. Um, but sometimes your mind and your will can actually be at odds with your emotion. Um, and I think that this quote kind of helps us understand why. So this is from an article I found on Desiring God. And I'm going to actually quote this article quite a bit <laughs> in this talk. So if you want the like, link to the article afterwards, let me know. But um, what she says is that physical pain and weakness can wreak havoc on our feelings. But perhaps most troublesome of all the sin is of all the sin is that which grips our emotions. So sin seeks to unite the whole person, mind, will, and emotion, in rebellion against the holy God. And so that's kind of the goal of my talk is to help you at least start to understand how God wants you, your mind, your will, and emotion to be united in unity with Him. Um, so that's kind of the question of this talk. What is the proper role of emotion in your walk with the Lord? 
So I'm first going to start um, just by talking about emotion gone wrong. Um, and like I said before, um, we tend to feel um, this disconnect between what we know, the truths that we know about God, that we're reading about in his word, that we're hearing about from talks, um, and the emotions that we actually feel. Um, and I think that um, this is really probably more common than we're comfortable admitting. Um, it's one thing to hear that God is good. It's one thing to hear that he's loving. But um, when you walk through suffering or when something hard happens at Walmart, your emotions flare up. And in that moment, suddenly you start to understand, hey, there's a disconnect going on right now between what I know about God and what I'm feeling. And I think that there are two ways that we as Christians um, deal with this disconnect. So the first way that we deal with it is that we ignore our emotion. So when in that moment you start to feel an emotion that um, kind of contradicts what you know to be true, you ignore it. The other thing that I think that we do as Christians is that we can give in to the emotion. And so when you start to feel that emotion, suddenly that becomes your reality. It informs everything. So I'm going to talk about these two things a little bit more in depth. Okay, so the first one is ignoring our emotion. Um, so we deal with the disconnect between what we know and what we feel by pretending that the disconnect just isn't even there. Um, and I think that one of the common symptoms of ignoring your emotion is that you invalidate what you know you shouldn't feel. And so um, when you start to feel this negative emotion, you immediately attack it and suppress it by telling yourself all of the reasons why you shouldn't be feeling it. Uh, I think another symptom is that emotion has no role at all in your walk with God. So when you go to the Bible, when you go to pray, when you go to church, you basically emotionally check out. You, put, you kind of ignore the bad day you had at Walmart yesterday. You ignore the phone call with your boyfriend that didn't go well last night. Um, you, you kind of leave all of that behind you when you come to God. Another symptom of ignoring your emotion is that the spiritual disciplines just become a checklist to get done. Um, and, and I think that that really ties into checking out emotionally. So your Bible reading is just a thing you do. You go through the motion, but it doesn't really impact your heart really at all. Um, so some symptoms, and if you recognize any of yourself in these, um, that might be a sign that this is what you do. So symptoms would be just forced cheerfulness. And I think we can all kind of picture like the old chipper lady at our church who never, ever, ever seems to have a bad day. Um, I don't think that's real. <laughs> um, another symptom would just be it's really hard for you to admit when you feel negative emotion or you just never admit when you feel negative emotion. Uh, another one would be <laughs> relying on Christian cliches a lot. Um, I like one of them, I really hate the one where it's when you ask someone how they're doing and they're like, oh, better than I deserved. It's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, another symptom would just be do you feel guilty when you feel strong emotion? Um... So that would be ignoring emotion. Another symptom, though, is giving into emotion. Uh, and this is <laughs> this is my tendency. So I don't know how many of you guys have like taken Myers Briggs before. Okay, how many of you guys are feelers? Do you know like feeling versus thinking? Okay, so when I took the test, um, basically like all of my letters were pretty inconclusive. Like I was like right on the razor edge for all of them, except for feeling. And feeling, I was like all the way <laughs> on one side of the spectrum. So um, I was really able to <laughs> come up with this one. So when you give in to your emotions, basically emotions control your walk with God. 
And what I mean by that is that whatever you're feeling in a given moment basically like supersedes the truth that you know about God. And so if you're having a bad day, suddenly um, God is against you. Or if something is happening in your life that you don't understand, it means that um, God is doing something wrong. Basically, your emotions are now informing who God is. Um, and I think that what happens to the spiritual disciplines when you give in to emotion is that you abandon them. And um, I think that one way we give in to emotion is when we feel a lot of emotion, and so we just kind of like give ourselves over to sadness, to anger. But another way that this can happen too is when you don't feel anything. Um, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I just wonder how many of you, um, when you've tried to pray or when you've tried to read the Bible, have given up because you're not feeling it? And I think that that is a way that we give into our emotion, which is interesting because that's actually giving into the lack of emotion. Um, but I think you can also give into the excess of emotion. So some symptoms of this are that there's really no stability in your walk with the Lord. It's really up and down. You're not super consistent. You sometimes read your Bible. You sometimes don't. You sometimes pray. You sometimes don't. And it's all dictated by how you feel. Um, which, yeah, no consistently consistency. And then another thing is that you're constantly questioning the character of God. Because again, like I said, you're letting your emotion, emotions inform who God is, which leads you to constantly question who God is. So um, kind of throughout my talk, I'm going to be sharing a personal story of a huge way that I feel like God exposed my emotion and helped me to start to work through it. So this last fall um, in October, uh, one of my closest friends, um, we've been friends for a really long time, um, one of my closest friends uh, attempted to take her own life, and I was the person who found out about it, um, and that threw me um, into a, a whirlwind of emotion, um, emotion about my friend, emotion about God, emotion about myself, um, and it felt really, really overwhelming to know what to do with all of that emotion. And um, I think that my first tendency was to ignore it because it just felt too overwhelming to know what to do with. And I, I would guess that for most people in this room, that's our tendency, is when we start to feel really, really, really strong emotion that we like have really no idea what to do with, um, we first start to ignore it. But then what happens is you can't ignore it for very long because emotion has a way of making itself known. And so uh, I tried to ignore it, tried to keep going about my business, um, but found that just at the randomest moments, um, I would break down. And so it came to a point where I was like, okay, I, I can't ignore my emotion anymore. Um, <laughs> it would happen when I was like washing dishes. All of a sudden I would just find myself um, bawling. And, um, and so then my tendency was to give into my emotion. And so suddenly I found myself um, questioning the character of God. I found myself questioning, like, why have you let my friend experience all these things? Why would you let her even find herself in this situation? Why wasn't anyone around when it happened? Um, and, and just to clarify, my friend is, like, the, she is really healthy and doing really well now. Don't know if I made that clear. <laughs> but in the moment, it felt really scary, and it felt really, really unsure. Um, so I think that it's, it's a really important thing to figure out, like, how do you deal with emotion? Like, how, what does it look like to bring them to God? Um, so I think that that would just be a question for you guys to reflect on, both as I'm talking and after this talk is over. Um, just like when you look at your own life, when you look at how you deal with emotion, are you someone who tends to ignore your emotion? Do you invalidate it? Do you suppress it? Do you feel guilty over it? Or do you tend to give in to your emotion? So do you let your emotion dictate what you know to be true about God?
So next I'm just gonna talk about emotions gone right. And I wanna just start by giving you <laughs> a biblical understanding of emotion. Um, so the first thing is that um, God is the creator of emotion. And I just, I think that that needs to be said because like I said, so often our emotions feel like they're in direct violation <laughs> to what we know about God. And I think it's really important that we start by understanding God is actually the creator of emotion and he calls them good. So this is from the creation account. This is after God has made everything, including humans, including their emotion. And he says, God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Um, the second thing I think is so, so, so important is that um, God is actually after your emotion. Um, God cares a lot about your mind. He cares a lot about your will. He cares a lot about your obedience, but he also cares a lot about your emotion. And there are a lot of verses that I could pull from, but I, um, I use Philippians 4.4 where Paul commands the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And the com that's a command to feel something, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I think the reason why it's a command is that what Paul is getting after is when you understand the gospel with your mind, when you are following Christ um, in obedience through your will, one of the results is that that's going to shape and change your emotion. And, and God is after that. God is aware of that. Um, so that's another really important thing. And I think that that is a reason why it's really important for us to fight our tendency to ignore emotion and to fight our tendency to give into it because emotion is really, really important to God. Um, I think this is also really, I think all of these are important. I should stop saying that. That's why I'm giving a talk on it. Um, but God feels emotion. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but the God of the universe is not this just like impervious, unfeeling existence. God became man, and part of what it means that he became man is that he took on our humanity. He took on our emotion. So this passage is from um, the book of John, and what's happening is that um, two of Jesus's really, really good friends, Mary and Martha, their brother has become sick, and they ask Jesus, hey, can you come and heal our brother Lazarus? We know you can. And Jesus delays. He doesn't show up in time, and Lazarus dies. And um, Jesus, when Jesus finally does come, the family is in the middle of mourning the death of their brother. Um, and you would think, okay, Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's, spoiler alert, if you haven't read the story, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Um, but you would think, okay, Jesus knows what is true. Jesus knows that he's about to heal Lazarus. He knows that this is for their good. So you would think that Jesus would just come in and be like, hey, why are you guys all crying? Don't you know who I am? And let's be done with it. But that is not what Jesus does. The passage says, when Jesus saw her weeping, so this is um, Mary, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And I just think that is so important for us to get that when Jesus entered suffering, he felt the suffering with the people. And so I just wonder for you guys, there is so much suffering going on in this room. Like, I think that if everyone were to share the stories of their suffering, we would all be broken over the types of things that are happening. And so I just wonder for each of you who is walking through something really painful, do you know that Jesus weeps with you? Like, do you know that that is the God that we serve? He's not a God who comes into your suffering and demands that you know what's true. He steps into your suffering and he actually weeps with you. 
Um, and he does speak truth. He does call people to action. But he also asks people to, he also sits with people in their suffering. Um, the last truth about emotion, though, is that our emotions are corrupted by sin, and they often rebel against God. And so I think that that's a really important thing for us to know, that your emotions are good, but they're corrupted. Um, and I didn't put a Bible verse with this because I figured we all just experientially know this. <laughs> Hopefully I don't need to prove this to you. So that just brings us to this question again. Okay, so like what is the proper role of emotion? If God's created them, if they're good, if he's after our emotion, if he feels emotion with us, and yet they're corrupted, what do we do with them? So this is kind of my main point. So emotions are given to us by God to be gauges, but not guides. So I'll give you a second to write that down, and then I'll explain what I mean by that. So who can tell me what this is? Yes, or more broadly, the dashboard of a car. <laughs> um, so without a dashboard, um, a car is drivable. Like if you don't have a working dashboard, you can still drive your car. But you don't know very much about your car. So you could be speeding, you, your tire could be flat, your engine could be overheating. And without a dashboard, you would have no idea that any of those problems are going on. And so the job of a dashboard isn't to drive a car for you, but the job of your dashboard is to alert you to the things going on inside of your car that you can't see. Um, and I think that um, that is the role of emotion. So just like your dashboard isn't supposed to drive your car, your emotions aren't supposed to drive your life. But your emotions are given to you by God to alert you to the things going on deep down in your heart that you can't see or that aren't immediately visible. So if you're driving a car and all of these warning lights are coming on, like check engine, your tires are flat, um, your car is going to be ruined. Um, and so if you ignore your emotion, I think that eventually you will be ruined. But at the same time, if, um, if your check engine light comes on and you immediately pull off to the side of the road and total your car and get rid of it and get a brand new car, that's also kind of ridiculous. Like again, the check engine light is just coming on to say, hey, there's something going on and you should maybe check out what it is. Uh, and in the same way, when you start to feel an emotion, you're not supposed to just give in to them, but you're supposed to listen to it because it's telling you something about your heart. Um, so if emotions are good, if God has given them to us as a way to alert us to what's going on in our heart, um, what does it look like to not ignore them, to not give in to them, but to use them as God intended? Great question. I'm really glad you asked that. So um, if there is one thing that you take out of this talk, it would be this verse. So everyone should write this down, put it on your phone, whatever you need to do. Um, this is kind of what inspired this talk. So this is Psalm 62, 8, and he says, um, Trust in him, God, at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Um, and the root, well, first of all, does anyone know what this is? Yeah, it's a geyser. So uh, the root of the word pour in the psalm uh, literally means to just like gush out. And the word was used to describe like when you cut open an animal and its blood gushed out or when like water, like there's a lot of pressure building up and water just gushes out. Um, so I really like this picture of a fountain because I feel, or the geyser because I feel like it's this like really powerful image of something just gushing out. And um, I just want us to think about the significance of that for a second. This psalm is telling you 
to let your heart gush out before God. And not only is it telling you to do that, it's telling you that that's what it means to actually trust God. Like, when God asks you to trust him, he's not saying, hey, ignore everything you feel and trust me. What God is saying is, can you bring everything you feel to me and let it gush out of you? So God invites you to bring your heart to him and literally let your emotions gush out. And I think that one thing that it's really hard for us to believe, but that is true, is that God wants the real, messy, sinful you. And he's big enough to handle it. You don't have to, like, clean yourself up. God isn't like your friend. He's not like your parents. He's not like your roommates. He is infinite, which means that he is not burdened by your emotion. He's not wearied by your emotion. He's not annoyed by your emotion. Um, He can handle it, and he wants it. Um, And I think that um, that is what it means to be in a relationship with really anyone, and especially God. It means that you're bringing who you really are. It means that you're bringing what you really feel before him. Um, So actually, I just want to go back and talk a little bit about um, what happened with my friend. So um, kind of like where I left us is that I was starting to give in to my emotion. Um, And basically for a couple of, well, for a couple of days, it felt like a couple of weeks, but I think it was just a few days. um, I I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't pray. um, I couldn't journal because I just felt so incredibly um, paralyzed by the grief that I was feeling. And every time I opened up the Bible, it just, honestly, it felt like it was almost mocking me because it was like, God is a present help in time of trouble. And I was like, actually, you weren't. Where were you? Um, I just got more and more angry when I opened up the Bible. And every time I tried to pray, I was just, again, reminded of the fact, like, I've been praying for this friend for years, and I feel like you're letting things get worse. And um, the Poteets actually had me over to talk about it. And I was just expressing to them, like, I actually feel really angry with God. I feel really, really abandoned by God. I feel like I'm asking, like, where was he? How did he let things get this bad? Why didn't he let us know that things were getting this bad? And I don't remember if it was Paul or Sam, but one of them asked, um, Emma, have you told God this? Like, have you told God that you feel this way? (laughs) And it was like this, like, light switched on in my head. Um, And I was like, uh, no. (laughs) And um, they were like, I think you should. So that night, I opened up my journal, um, and I was like, God, I'm about to get really, really raw, so (laughs) buckle up. Um, And I just, in my journal, I should have brought it, although it's actually pretty raw, so maybe not. But I basically just said, like, God, I'm I'm angry. Like, I feel like you betrayed me. (laughs) Like, you let my friend get to a point. You didn't let any of us know about it. Um, I feel like you're not working in her life. I feel like you're absent. Where were you? Like, I just let it all out. Um, And the amazing thing is that once you start letting it out, God starts to remind you of who he is. But I don't think that that happens until you start to be honest with him. Um, And I got to the end of my rant, and um, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, where when you read that story, it's actually, I mean, pretty incredible. Jesus lets these sisters watch their brother die. Like, they don't know that he's coming. Um, He lets them watch their brother die. And when he shows up, he doesn't immediately lead with, like, hey, I'm about to raise Lazarus. (laughs) Um, And the way that he interacts with him, like, if you have time, you should go back and read that story today. The way that he interacts with them is absolutely amazing. Um, And God brought me there, and what especially moved me was 
the fact that Jesus weeps with the sisters. And in the moment, that is what brought so, so, so much life to me, was realizing as I feel this pain, as I feel this fear, as I feel this anger, God is feeling this with me. And I just sat there for a couple of days. Like, I didn't immediately jump to like, God is good. It was like I had to sit in that emotion for a while. And, and the amazing thing is that Jesus was sitting in that emotion with me. Um, and I think that that is what, <laughs> like, that's what I wanted to, like, tell you guys is that it's okay to feel your emotion. It's okay to be honest with God because he wants you to, and he wants to sit in you with that. So here are some practicals. Um, so the first one would be um, to lament. And um, I think that these are practicals specifically for um, give, when you are tempted to give in to your emotion. So what it means to lament is to express deep grief or sorrow. And I think what it means specifically in the context to our relationship with God, um, and I didn't come up with this, this is from an article, but he called it an honest vocalization of grief to God. And I think that that's really, really important. Uh, that's what brought, that's what I was doing with my friend, um, and I think that's what Mary and Martha were doing when they approached Jesus. Um, you're being honest about your grief to God, and what's crazy is there's actually a lot of examples in the Bible about lamenting. Did you know that there's actually a whole book in the Bible literally called Lamentations? Like, there's a whole book in the Bible that is dedicated to grieving. Like, that's crazy, um, and if you want to write these down, there's a ton of psalms of lament. Like if you just Google psalms of lament, you'll get a ton. Um, but these are some of my personal favorites. Um, so here are four psalms of lament where David is pouring out his heart before God. And it's just, I think it's helpful to read those because it's helpful to know like it is in the Bible. Like it is okay to bring your grief to God and bring your questions to him. So one question that I thought was extremely raw, again, this is in the Bible. The psalmist asks, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And I just wonder how many of you in this room secretly have been wondering that. Like how many of you guys feel forgotten by God? And did you know that it's okay to ask him that? Like he actually wants you to ask him those questions. Um, and David does. He, that, this is the very first verse of the psalm. This is what he's leading with is like, will you forget me? Um, and God isn't saying, like, David, you know I'm omnipresent, and you know, like, I'm eternal. Like, how could you ask these things? Like, David is giving vent to his emotion, and, and God is welcoming that. And then this is how the psalm ends. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Um, and this is what sets apart lamenting from complaining. So complaining is basically saying, like, Here's the list of my grievances, deal with it. Uh, but what lamenting is, is lamenting is saying, God, this is honestly how I feel. Like, I'm going to vocalize these feelings to you, but I'm going to cling to what I know is true, even if I don't feel it. And I think that, that is, that's a really important part of lamenting. So another practical is to repent. Um, and it's funny because I don't think you would immediately think of repentance as being part of your emotions. But so what it means to repent is that you are turning from something or you're changing your mind. So it's like, why, why are we talking about this in an emotions talk? Like, isn't repentance about, like, obedience? Isn't it about changing the way you think? Um, so Psalm 51 is um, a really amazing psalm. Um, 
King David has just committed adultery. He slept with a woman, and then he murdered her husband. And um, a prophet comes and basically tells him, like, hey, this is sinful. You shouldn't have done this. And David is convicted, and he writes Psalm 51 as his repentance. And what you would expect if you're thinking, okay, repentance is about your mind and your will, you would expect him to say, like, hey, God, like, I'm really sorry I did this. I'm not going to do it again. And again, I just wonder how many of you guys, when you confess your sin, that's what you do. It's like, hey, God, I'm really sorry that I had this lustful thought. Or, hey, God, I'm really sorry I got angry at my roommate. I'm not going to do it again. But this is what David says. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And that is what repentance is. Repentance is about getting to the heart and bringing your heart to God. Um, And I think too often we tend to repent of sinful behavior when the real problem is that we need to confess sinful beliefs. So um, actually this is going to be a big part of our workshop, so I'll say more about this in our workshop. So um, another way that this practice would look, so this would be fighting um, when you want to, or this would be when you feel too much again. So I think another solution to giving into your emotion is to hold on, so to keep doing the spiritual disciplines. And this is a verse from Hebrews 10.23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so um, in the times when you don't feel anything or when you feel too much, I think your call is to keep fighting to do the spiritual disciplines, keep fighting to believe that these things are true even when you don't believe them. And, and that doesn't mean ignore your emotion, but it just means can you bring your, t- your emotion to God and can you keep coming to God? Um, so don't let your emotions dictate what you know. And this is a quote from C.S. Lewis that we read as a staff team. It's in Mere Christianity. And he says, faith is the art of holding on to what you know to be true despite your changing moods. And I think there's some of you in this room who need to hear, hey, you need to validate your emotion. You need to bring your emotion to God. But I think there's others of you in this room who need to hear, hey, your call is to keep pursuing God no matter what you feel. Um, and that's a call to all of us. Um, So I think that this is a really, really helpful way to think about what it looks like to hold on, and that would just be you think, and then you act, and then you feel. Um, And this is, again, from the Desiring God article. So she's describing, like, what does it look like for your thoughts, your actions, and your emotions to all relate. And she says, when we think on God's truth and make godly choices, our feelings take on a new and different shape. They conform to and coalesce around God's word. To get started, prayerfully choose one emotion you want to change. Meditate on one truth from God's word that speaks to that emotion. Take one godly action that goes against your sinful feelings. While it may not happen immediately, godly emotions will begin to spring up in your heart. And again, we're going to kind of think more about this in our workshop. So, um, okay, before I go up here, um, the next quote re- like was so, so helpful for me. So this is from C.S. Lewis. Um, and this is from the Screw Tape Letters. And the Screw Tape Letters um, was written, it's a really interesting book. So C.S. Lewis is writing it, but he's writing it from the perspective of a demon. So a demon, his name is um, Wormwood or Screw Tape? Wormwood. Wormwood is writing to his nephew, Screw Tape. And what he's doing is he's basically giving advice on how to tempt humans into sin. And um, one of the chapters is about um, what to do when the human that this demon is assigned to tempt. Um, when his emotions start to leave and he notices that he's starting to feel apathetic. 
Um, and so this is what the demon says. So remember, this is the demon writing. And so when the capital he, the demon is talking about God. So the demon says, sooner or later, he, God, withdraws, if not in fact, at least from their conscience, conscious experience. So this would be like apathy. Like if you've ever felt apathetic, if you've ever felt like God is distant from you, this is what the demon is talking about. So he withdraws all those supports and incentives. He leaves the creatures, us humans, to stand up on its own legs, to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. It is during such trough periods, so the trough periods are like when you're not feeling it, much more than during the peak periods that it, the human, is growing into the sort of creature that he wants it to be. Hence, the prayers offered in the state of dryness are those which please him best. And this is so helpful for me because sometimes I think if I'm not feeling it when I read the Bible, if I'm not feeling it when I pray, God probably doesn't want this. I don't want this. No one wants this. It would just be better if I stopped. And what Lewis is saying is when you continue to pray, when you continue to read your Bible, even when you don't feel it, that is what God wants. Like when you pray despite not feeling it, that pleases God more than when you pray and you are feeling it. And that was just kind of revolutionary to me. So I think for those of you who struggle with apathy, I think this is a really, really good word for you and for me. And if you, if you want any of these quotes or any of these slides, I know that they're really long. You can just let me know afterwards and I can send them to you. Um, so we're almost done. I think there's one more solution. And I think that this is the ultimate solution. And I get this from Psalm 27, verse 8. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And I think that the cure for both extreme emotion and apathy is ultimately fixing your gaze on God's face and the unchanging reality of his love. Because let's face it, for the rest of your life, your emotions are going to be up and down. But the thing, the call for us is to fix our gaze on God. Um, in the midst of our ever-changing emotion, God's love towards us is never changing. And, and that's what you can bank on. That's what you can put your hope in. That's what you can rest in, is that when you are apathetic, when you are grieving, um, God's love for you isn't changing. It's remaining the same. And seeing and delighting in God is the ultimate goal, not just of personal worship, but of our whole existence. And so no matter what you feel, your call is to press on to seek God's face. And when you seek it, what you're going to find is a God who loves you. So um, there's a quote, again, from C.S. Lewis that I want to end on. And he says, On the whole, God's love for us is a much safer subject to think about than our love for him. Nobody can always have devout feelings. And even if we could, Feelings are not what God principally cares about. I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't know if I'm allowed to disagree with C.S. Lewis, so <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Christian love, either towards God or towards man, is an affair of the will. If we are trying to do his will, we are obeying the commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He will give us the feelings of love if he pleases. We cannot create them for ourselves, and we must not demand them as a right. But the great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, his love for us does not. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference, and therefore it is quite relentless in its determination 
that we shall be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us, at whatever cost to him. So I think that that is where you need to land on at the end of the day, is trusting that your emotions are going to be all over the place. And if you haven't walked through suffering yet, you will one day. And at the end of the day, what your bedrock is going to be is that God's love for you never, ever, ever changes. Um, So I'm going to pray for us. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll move into our workshop. So let's pray. Um, Father, thank you that um, you are relentless in your determination to come after us, that you care about our mind, you care about our will, and you care about how we feel. Thank you that you are a God who came to earth and bore our sorrows, that you are not impervious to our pain, um, but that you stepped into our pain. You stepped into the death of Lazarus. You wept with them um, despite knowing what would come. And so, God, I pray for my own heart, and I pray for the people in this room, the men and women who are in suffering, who, who feel like, where are you? Who feel like you've abandoned them, who feel like your face is turned from them. Um, God, I pray that you would meet them even today um, and help them to know that you are a God who weeps with them in their pain, who sees their heartbreak, and who is inviting them to bring their questions and to bring their emotion to you. And I pray for those in this room who just don't feel anything. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission. From Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org. You are well pleased with their faithfulness to you. So I pray that you would grant us all greater awareness of how we feel. I pray that this would be a community where it's okay to feel things, where it's okay to express negative emotion, and that together we would run to the truth of who you are. So I ask all these things in your name. Amen.